grass is always green around the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. I don't know if you were paying attention. Just two minutes ago, a heat index of 105. Woo! It's going to be hot today. Heat advisory for sure. Welcome to Green and Growing. I'm Ashley Frasca with you. A tired Ashley Frasca, but we're going to get through this. We're going to have a great show 404-872-0750, the number to get in. A lot of you send me messages and notes and questions on the Facebook page. Green and Growing WSB is what you search on Facebook. But I want to talk to you this morning. I think Scott Maxim filling in for O'Neill on O'Neill Out- Outdoors had some great calls. So bring them, 404-872-0750. Much of the reason I am so tired is a good, good, good reason uh, the WSB Radio Carathon that we wrapped up yesterday around 6 and 7 p.m., 1671813 That is huge, almost $1.7 million going to find cures and allow treatments for children battling cancer and blood disorders at the Aflac Cancer and Blood Disorder Center at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. Thank you to every single one of you that donated. We threw out a challenge for just $10 donations in honor of Kirk Mellish, whose last day officially was on the air yesterday. And at some point, Mark Aram threw out the challenge, you know, to honor Jovita Moore, make a donation that ends in a two uh, for Channel 2, as she was recently diagnosed with brain cancer and is battling that. Um, lots of great, great times, memories, some tears, some laughs during the carathon. Every one of our hosts gets involved. 37 hours, some of the best, most emotional, inspiring 37 hours you'll hear on the radio. And I am exhausted. It was a lot of planning. It's like the best party ever um, we have with with the staff at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all of you. And today, stuff the bus. Um, stuff the bus for Channel 2 Action News as they uh, get much-needed supplies for kids in school. And you can partake in that from 10 to 2 today, different locations around the metro Atlanta area. So certainly, sorry, I'm trying to do two things at once here. Certainly want to make sure you know about that. You can go to wsbtv.com slash stuff the bus and make sure that they get the supplies they need to start school 404-872-0750. Wanted to share a couple of things with you. So there was a lot of my lawn that had just become overwhelmed. And, uh, you know, I got a little behind. It's been hot this summer. It's been rainy. I've been busy with work. And so things had gotten to where I was just overwhelmed um, and really couldn't get everything in check. So I feel very Oh, I don't know, disingenuous having hired a landscaping company just one time, just this one time. They came by yesterday, did about four hours worth of work, um, and finally got everything back manageable for me. Cut back some shrubs, um, got poison ivy out of the juniper in the front yard. I have had so many bad poison ivy outbreaks. I was just beside myself figuring out how to do that. I use BioAdvanced Brush Killer um, and the one time I applied it, it just wasn't effective enough. So I thought, you know, I can't I can't get anywhere near the stuff. So I'm so appreciative of the work that they did. And now back on track. And I hope you are as well. And if there's things that you're battling in the lawn, just take it easy, a little at a time. You just pick away at these projects a little at a time 
and they're not so overwhelming. English Ivy is my next task, just pulling that out by hand a little as I go. Because, you know, we talked about invasives on the show a week or two ago with Walter Reeves, and that's your responsibility. If that comes from your yard and your neighbor's yard and starts to crawl up the trees, starts to go up under their, I don't know, the base for their air conditioning unit, that's on you. So I definitely want to do a little at a time just to keep it manageable. All right, phone lines are open and ready to go. Our first caller this morning, Nicole from Griffin. It's been a few weeks, but welcome to the show, Nicole. Good morning. Hello, Ashley. You, How are you doing? Very good. You have been busy as well. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it's overwhelming. Good grief. Yeah, that's what I was just saying. I mean, I kind of got behind before I knew it in the yard. And, um, yeah, I've been spending a lot of time with the, the vegetable garden and also trying to propagate a couple of things and planted some new you know, just bedding plants, some summer annuals, and didn't tackle the big stuff, right? So with all the rain, got behind on mowing, and it just got too hot, the carathon. So now we're back on track. Um, what What are some of the things that you can do a little at a time that over time you find make a big difference in your landscape, Nicole? Uh, just a little at a time. Let me think about it. <laughs> um, you know, um, Poison ivy, mm-hmm. all those people that don't get it, and we just look at it and we get all scratchy. Oh, you are so right. I'm oh. scratching my arm right now subconsciously as, as we're even talking about it. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Boy, no wonder they wear long sleeve and hat and everything else. You, you know, know, you have to. And also the catch to that is when you get undressed, when you go back in the house and get undressed, taking those clothes off really carefully because if any of the oil had gotten on the outside of your jeans, on the outside of your shirt, and you're kind of turning stuff inside out as you're taking it off. I mean, literally, if it just barely grazes my skin, I'm going to get it. But the funny thing is it doesn't show up for about six to seven days. Once I finally start seeing spots on my arm or my wrists, I'm like, hmm, I have to go back and think, well, when was I out in the yard? And it, it's very much a delayed reaction. Uh, Mr. Reeve, many years ago, was telling me, uh, uh, especially gloves, you know, mm-hmm. if you wear a little glove, they're all going to get into it, then it dries up and come back. He said, yeah, he said, just throw away the glove so you don't be bothered. And I was telling that people, the people was laughing at me, I said, it's going to come back, it's going to come back. Yes, and I mean, I'm one that throws some of my garden gloves in the wash. You know, I mean, I'll do that, and then I'll just put them out on the back deck to dry. Um, But that's definitely one good way to spread it. And also, years ago, Walter talked about the plastic bag, the long plastic bag that comes on, you know, the newspaper that you get delivered. Put that, you know, poke your fingers through the end, put that up to your wrist, use a rubber band or something up at your wrist, and then wear your gloves over that. And I have done that a couple of times. I don't care how stupid I look out in the yard. I thought, (laughs) I will try whatever works. So, I mean, and, you know, sometimes just really carefully, if if the poison ivy is somewhat manageable, um, going to the very base of the stem and being careful not to touch the leaves and just cut it or pull it and then immediately drop it in a bag or grab it with the clippers. You know, that way you're not even touching it. Just put it in the in the clippers and just drop it in the bag that way. So yeah. I've, I've tried it I, I had a friend yesterday ask me, he said, uh, he was talking about bamboo. I said, God almighty. Uh-huh. If somebody plant bamboo near to my house, I sell a house and I put the fire in it. You 
cannot get rid. The bamboo is going to come inside your house. It will. It will, it will push ridiculous. through siding. It'll push through the foundation. And, you know, I mean, you see these all these developments around Metro Atlanta, Nicole, where these mm. lots have been left for a long, long time. And then, you know, they come in and clear the land. They're going to build townhomes or maybe retail or something like that. I mean, they've got the heavy-duty equipment to go at that bamboo. And I'm not sure down at the soil level what they then do when they've knocked it over. But you got to do something to make sure it doesn't come back. Oh, ridiculous. Oh, God almighty. But anyway, changing the subject, you did good for Stellaton because I I got up early and I knew you was there overnight, you know, and I was talking, you know, thinking about you. Oh, but how many hours you were. I mean, we did good this year. I've been listening for 35 years, and every year I always listen words the last few hours because that's where the kick the, the kick is the push you know. for the carathon and this was our 21st year so in 21 years of the WSB radio carathon we have raised close to 27 just over 27 million dollars with with everyone's help and so that's really rewarding and yeah we all do what it takes so we do a traffic portion of uh, the carathon and sometimes we're on in the afternoons but in this case smile and Mark McKay Doug Turnbull and I came on at 3 a.m. yesterday and carried it to Atlanta's Morning News beginning at 4.30. So um, yesterday was a long day, but that is my pet project. That is my baby. I'm so proud of of what our staff rallies together and does. I mean, everybody from the engineers to the digital staff to promotions, all of our producers, everybody makes it happen. And uh, it was just fantastic. That is the success of a company. You have to have a common cause at least once a year. Mm -hmm. And that's what people... uh, they work so hard all together. They forget about their pain, their problem, and things because kids are a lot worse off than we are. And, you know, that's what you need something to put all those people together. And the success of a small company or a big company is that once a year we do stuff together. And I was just so glad that uh, you raised so much money for. Uh, the common cause, because they are vulnerable. Those kids are vulnerable. And then the parents, they're stuck with a bill. They don't have money to pay for. Right. You know? And in the kids, there's no way to tell them no or oh. we can't help. I mean, you hear their stories, and they go through a lot, but they are so brave. Yeah. I mean, at that young of an age, they just don't know any other way to be. So they yeah. handle it with a brave face, very stoically, and they just are, are so accepting. Well, this is what I have to do to fight this. And of course they have supportive families and siblings and, you know, the staff at children's that make sure that they're okay and they get all the help they need. Thanks to the donations that we raise. Um, one of the most key thing for the kids that are in there a little more long-term for their treatments is the child life specialists. So these folks are trained. Um, I w- you wouldn't necessarily call them nurses, but they are there to work with the family. They get to know the individual patient and make sure that child understands what's happening to their body if they have to have a port put in or the way the chemo gets into their body. or You know, I mean, the child life specialist is trained to explain it in a way that doesn't scare the child, but the child is empowered knowing what's getting ready to happen. So these people are just fantastic. So thank you, Nicole. Really appreciate that. Oh, yeah. All the, the nurses, because... Um, we feel life, we give life, and uh, most of them are women, you know. Their entire life is based on those kids and try to get, uh, to get through this, and they get really attached. Mm-hmm. I mean, big time. Mm-hmm. Oh, I yeah. have a niece, that's what, that's what, you know, that's what she does. But her, her work 
is our old life, you know, and, uh, ah, thanks for uh, 7.50 and 95.5. Yes, <laughs> and, uh, you know, you got to love what you do, and we certainly do here. Well, Nicole, if you want to hang on, I had, I had a question for you about crepe right. myrtles. You think you want to hang on? Yes. I love it. Okay, hang All tight right. two seconds, and Jim and Stone Mountain going to be asking about Poa annua. Oh, what a what an obnoxious weed. So we'll get to Jim in just a moment. 404-872-0750. Step out, check traffic and weather. We'll be back. It's 95.5 WSB. Wishing WSB radio meteorologist Kirk Mellish a happy retirement, but he is staying on in kind of a consulting role. So you certainly haven't heard the last of him. And Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz with the weekend forecast. That brought to you by Finley Roofing. I have 94 today, but with the heat index, it'll feel about 10 degrees hotter. So a heat advisory. Be careful. Mostly sunny and hot today. And then maybe later on Sunday, some afternoon thunderstorms, mix of clouds. And look out for those in the afternoon or evening high again around the mid-90s. Lows only dipping down to the low 70s. 404-872-0750. Nicole wanted to pick up our conversation about crepe myrtles. Have they not been some of the most colorful? You know, this has been one of the most colorful seasons I can remember. Crepe myrtle Evan. Yes, it's been awesome. Do you have oh. some in the landscape? Oh, big time. Yeah, um, I have one in the back that's got three colors. It's probably 20 feet high, but it's got three different colors. So uh, the, the darker color, then it goes down, you know. And he's, oh, he's majestic, and he's at the right place in the back. We can love his color and everything, but crepe models are difficult. You know why? Because the roots don't go down very deep. That's true, and they send off suckers that people cannot keep up with. Well, Nicole, I hate to, but it's time to run. I'm so glad you called, and I always have my fingers crossed. I'm going to hear from you on a Saturday morning, but I will catch up with you during the week, okay? Enjoy your day. All right, you too. Take care. 404-872-0750. She's right, guys. Right plant, right place. You give it room to grow, not under power lines, not too close to the house. You're going to love the colors of a crepe myrtle. We'll be back. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. Live in studio with you until 9 a.m. this morning. Yep, that's right. Ashley Frasca, green and growing. Happy to be here. 404-872-0750. A lot going on today in a conversation with Walter Reeves. In just a moment, get a pen and paper handy. I always tell you that when we hear from him because he is just so full of good recommendations this time for great perennials to have in the yard. If you just want to plant it and then one and done, Walter's going to help you out. But first, I want to help Jim in Stone Mountain. He's patiently been waiting with a question about a very obnoxious weed. Good morning, Jim. Welcome to the show. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, About five or six years ago, I installed about 5,000 square foot of Mercedes brand of uh, St. Augustine Uh sod. Uh, unfortunately, in with the sod, uh, the following spring popped up the poem. Mm-hmm. 
uh, also known as Kentucky bluegrass. That's right. Uh, over the years, I have tried, is it all right to mention name brands on the air? Sure, sure. Okay, I have tried uh, several products with atrazine in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have tried a brand named uh, Image, which is rather costly. I have tried Halts. Uh, none of these have toned it down to any uh, degree. Uh, I have put it out in the fall as well as early spring. Yeah. Uh, basically, uh, it's had little to no effect. And I'm wondering if you can tell me of another product that would work. Yeah, you've pretty much rattled off all of the ones that I'm familiar with. Um, Halt's dithiapyr is one of the active ingredients in like dimension. Uh, dimension is another one. But generally, you may have a tough case, and, and it does sound like you're applying it at the right times. So that was my next question. Um, generally, any label that shows, you know, for crabgrass is going to be able to tackle the annual bluegrass or poa annua, as we know, one of the most problematic winter weeds. Um, germinates in the fall, so really that's why it's so important, and then it can overwinter, but that's why it's so important to do that application at the right time in mid-September. Um, wow, Jim, I mean, the only one that you didn't really rattle off that I could think of was something with dithiapyr. Um, and, and there's a lot of them as well, the pre-emergence that, you know, are kind of a three-way, I believe. Um, so if any landscapers have some suggestions, image for nut sedge, you said you tried that as well. Um, boy, we got to help Jim out and, and really too, Jim, with a, with a case that severe, making sure to do it. Have you pretty much done it every year? You said you installed the sod five or six years ago. Yes, ma'am. I've done it every year. And, uh, like I say, I do it in the fall. I do it in the early spring, just pops right up. Yeah. I've tried yanking it out, which is <laughs> almost impossible I because know. I have so much of it. I'm trying to think what else. Um, I have heard of a product, and I have not been able to find it. It's called Team, T-E-A-M. Okay. Uh, are you familiar with that? I'm not, and there's so many products that I you know, can see listed online that may only have, you know, these, these chemicals are only available to professional landscapers, so I'm not, I don't want to start rattling off chemical names that maybe, you know, you and I can't buy at the nursery or the big box store, you know, if they're registered chemicals for uh, landscape use only, like professionals team. Hmm. I'll, let me look a little more into that one too, Jim, because I'm, not sure about that. I don't know what the active ingredient in that one is. Um, but again, if anyone has suggestions for Jim uh, in the Stone Mountain area is where the St. Augustine is with the uh, Poa Annua infestation, give us a call. I appreciate that, Jim. You've, you've got me stumped. You really literally have tried everything that I would know to tell you. Uh, 404-872-0750. If you'll stick around and listen for a little bit, we may get you some help. But guess who I've got on the line? It's Walter Reeves. Walter's Wondering. Walter's Wondering. The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG Garden Guru, Walter Reeves. I didn't just do something to uh, disconnect you or cut you off, did I? Nope. There you are. (laughs) I was holding my breath. (laughs) Good morning. Oh, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. It's hot. It's hot after Preston. You know, the end of July, we would expect nothing less. Do you remember at the beginning of July when places like... in Northwest really had like 114 degree temperatures. Oh my God! Oh 
Oh, my gosh, 110 in Portland, something like that. Wow. Yeah, they can keep that. I'm glad we don't have that. But it is certainly hot, and we're, we're getting used to the humidity and the stickiness by now, aren't we? Yeah, sort of. <laughs> yeah, right, sort of. So one of the things that we're used to this time every year, and so many gardeners are just kind of rediscovering the joy of perennials, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about today, Walter. Um, okay. Tell us what a perennial flower or plant is and what are the benefits? A perennial plant is one that lives for years, years and years in your garden. There are annual plants which only live one year. They bloom really heavily during the time they're in the garden, but by the end of the season, they poof up and die. Perennial plants though, are in the garden for several years, and most perennial plants do not have a real long blooming period. That's their shortcomings. There is one that only bloom for a certain length of time, whereas annuals can bloom all year long, like the uh, impatiens and things like that that bloom mm-hmm. all year long. And perennials, these are good plants to share, you know, and pass along. Or if you move from one house to the other, maybe it's something you want to think about digging up and transplanting. Um, And also like taking cuttings. I mean, that's a way to propagate, you know, not just sharing clumps or rhizomes, but taking cuttings from something that you want to keep and maybe rooting it and and being able to uh, transplant it that way. There's a book, I love book by Felder Rushing called Pass Along Plants. That's all he talks about, different kinds of plants that have been passed along from family member to family member over generations. And that's certainly true with perennial plants. They're easy, most of them easy to divide and give a piece to grandma or grandson, from grandma to grandson. And like my mother, when she passed away, we got all the day lilies of the uh, daffodils and the surprise lilies out of her garden and passed them on to all her children and grandchildren. So would you be able to tell how old those daffodils are? Can you recall oh when God. she planted them? Oh, my gosh, actually. I remember we had them when we were kids when yeah. I was 10 years old, probably. So that was 60, 60 years ago. Man, yeah. and that's wow. such a pleasant surprise for somebody in a, in a new house, not new construction, but new to them, and just kind of wait. That's what I recommend to people. If you've, you know, inherited this new house, wait through all the seasons and just wait and see what pops up. You know, I mean, you may have okay. some perennial plant underground that is going to show itself at the right time of year, and then you're like, oh, well, then I don't need to plant anything in that spot. Look at that. You know, I mean, really pleasantly surprised when things come up. And a lot of perennials really start emerging, what, as early as January, February in the sure, wintertime when sure. you're talking about daffodils and things like that. And then we have things coming in all spring and summer long. Because perennials are, are there all the time. So they require a little more maintenance for them. And this is a good time right now to do some maintenance on perennials because Things like daylilies, some of the daylilies, uh, Shasta daisies, uh, Coryopsis, uh, several more of the perennials I could name, all have real tattered-looking brown, yucky-looking leaves. There's no sense of leaving the leaves in the garden if they're brown. They don't do anything to the plant, certainly, nothing for the viewer either. So go ahead and cut them off. Cut those leaves off put them in the compost pile. And what uh, what would you say about some you know day lilies that are reblooming and all of that? Maybe um, is it too late to think about fertilizing them, or is that going to benefit them? Perfect, perfect time. Stella, the there are more than one kind of reblooming day lilies. Stella de Oro is the one that's most famous, but they need regular fertilization in order hmm. to keep reblooming. If they don't get fed, they don't make any more blooms and more fertilizer. Regular fertilizer during the growing season. I might fertilize one, two, three times during the growing season, one at the beginning of the summer, one in the middle, one at the end. Well, and I'll be darned. 
That's why my yeah. yellow Stella de Oro daylilies do not rebloom. I've never fertilized them. Yeah, I've fertilized them. They're ah. heavy feeders. They sure are. You know, and I should listen to my own show because about a month ago, <laughs> <laughs> like seriously, about a month ago, I interviewed Suzanne Franklin. Hi, Suzanne. Up in the uh, Dawsonville, I think Blairsville area, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Jungle Paradise lilies. And you have friends as well who are oh, known Bill's for their, yeah. what are their yeah, names? Jordan buddies, Bill and Diana Waldrop in uh, Marietta, they have a great daylily farm, for less of a better word. They uh, hybridize daylilies, they sell daylilies, they, they supply some of the, some of the Clint Eastwood movies. Suzanne did too, didn't she, for the mule? Yes, didn't yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, the passion those people have for their daylilies oh, and hybridizing yeah. them, how fun. I used to joke with Bill, say there's no sentence, no paragraph that he could not start. It would not end with daily. <laughs> Every conversation would have daily somewhere. Oh, hundreds of varieties and even yeah. just almost as many different colors that they come in. So that is definitely um, a favorite perennial. Uh, one that folks really want to take advantage of, Walter, and maybe not in the North Georgia mountains so much, but there is a perennial lantana. Yeah, the Miss uh, Huff lantana is perennial. As you say, not maybe the mountains, but my, my mother's house in Fayetteville, gosh, we had that for nine, ten years. It was, ooh, it was big. It was six feet tall and about ten feet wide, I guess, when we finally cut it down. As she passed away, but boy, that was a pretty old antenna. Wow. Wow. Um, what are some of your other favorites? I mean, I've got a lot in my yard, but I'm just so used to looking at them that I don't really... I don't even really think about them anymore. Uh, the daylilies, I got irises, the daffodils, of course, all the foliage on them is... Uh, Faded away, faded away back in June, so I pulled that off and had some other things planted around them now to hide the places where the bulbs and the flowers used to be. Uh, I mentioned Shasta daisies. A lot of Shasta daisies right now have pretty well finished blooming, but they will bloom again if you cut off all the flowers. If you oh. deadhead them, is that word, for the, the practice of taking off faded flowers. If you deadhead Shasta daisies, they will come back and bloom again. Coriopsis usually will come back and bloom again if you take off all of the foliage on it. Um, what else was that? Asters. Asters are perennial. Some yeah, are, some are right? Yeah, sure. Sure, sure, sure. Um, the uh, Echinacea, as Mickey Gasway likes to call it, the hedgehog plant. The Echinacea, the purple coneflowers, yeah. and other different colors of coneflowers or something that you can eat up right now. The faded flowers on the Echinacea are good food for birds. And Mickey would always point out, just take those faded flowers and stick them somewhere where the birds can find them. They'll eat the seed right off the right off the flowers. Oh, nice. Yeah, coneflower, that is a very good one. Um, yeah. And I guess, you know, like hostas and hellebores and coral bells and things like that come back too. Yeah, and again, if it's a brown leaf, it's not doing the plant any good. It's not doing you any good. Cut it off. Scissor it off if you want to. That's what I've done. On leaves, like on my canna that were well, half brown and half purple. It has purple candles with red flowers. Mm-hmm. And it takes a pair of scissors out there and scissors off the brown part, the purple part, then still looks good. The flowers stay on it, and it looks nice. You know, speaking of candle lilies, I'm glad you brought that up. Mine have never flowered, but I know why. I've got them in a little too much shade. But they're beautiful. I've got kind of more of the purple-leaved ones. But yeah. um, a neighbor brought me white ginger and had no idea. I had no idea what I was agreeing to. I thought some low little plant. And I'm like, oh, white ginger, cool. No, tall stalks. The leaves reminded me of canna leaves. Um, yeah, but I, I better pop those in the ground because they're going to bloom soon. And they will be blooming. Yeah, I'm, uh, 
a week from now, I believe I saw the first one yesterday, and a week from now, they're in full bloom. Wow. So white ginger butterfly ginger is also called uh, the national flower of Cuba. Is it really? Spread very slowly, but it's spreading spread a clump about six inches every year, so I guess. And the flowers are gloriously fragrant, and the flowers themselves are so pretty, so beautifully, blindingly white. Did you did you go to Cuba when they were in bloom? I mean, I know you've been a couple of times, but did you get to smell them and see them? I did not. I saw something that was growing that had not bloomed yet. Dang. They were very proud of their ginger. They, you know, they talked about the national flowers for our group. Wow. All right. So that's, yeah, that's a really good one. I'm excited for something new. Um, and one other thing I wanted to ask you before we go, perennial vines, too. Uh, a lot of us love these vining um flowers, you know, like in the spring. And then of course now a lot of them are done blooming and you still get the benefits of it covering whatever you want to cover and it's leafy. Um, But one in particular, I think you were mentioning to me uh, off air was wisteria. Yeah. American wisteria. Mm -hmm. I have a trellis with American wisteria on it. It may not be blooming anymore. It bloomed back in May, June, I guess. The doggone thing is growing still and is spread out a little bit into the flowers around it. It's not invasive as much as the Chinese wisteria is. But the thing to do now is to wind the vine around the base of your of your trellis, your arbor, whatever you've got going on, so that it grows upward through the remaining vines and structural parts of the arbor. And that way you get to grow in the right direction so it's all contained and looks nice and not all spread out in the flowers like mine is. Do I need to do that to... Uh... My Carolina jessamine, too, because I didn't get a lot of yellow flowers in the spring because yep. it was a new plant. But, I mean, it's it's not catching onto the uh, six-by-six post of my pergola at all. I use a thumbtack or something just to put some string, hmm. like a piece of string or cloth to hold it onto the, the wood, to hold it on, find a little climb, curl around, I guess the right way to describe it is go around the wood Hold itself up. Yeah, I, I need for it to do that. That was kind of my intended purpose for it. Um, so I'll you know, do one that. More thing, yeah. One more thing before we quit. I have a plant that's not, well, I guess it is a perennial in a sense. But it's not what we were talking about was the herbaceous perennials, and that is hydrangeas, mop-head hydrangeas, oh, yeah. in July. This is the last time of the year you should be thinking about pruning your um, hydrangeas. Okay. The first is in July 4th, the last is in July Get a prune somewhere between the 4th and the end of July. If you start pruning after the 4th of July, excuse me, after the end of July, you're going to be removing some of the flower buds for next year. So try to get all of your mop head hydrangeas pruned by the end of July. And what we're pruning is the cane, the stem that the flower was on this season, and we're going all right. the way back to the ground, right? You got it. You know, or you don't have to. You go down to a foot from the ground. Uh, it just sort of depends on how high I want it to be next year or how high I cut them this year. Okay. What about leaves? You don't, and... you don't have to prune them, by the way. You don't have to True. prune them. But if you feel like they're just getting too big, mine are five and a half, six feet tall. They'll get in front of all my windows so they get cut down to about two, two and a half, I guess, before I cut them down. And will you, will you only cut the stems or the canes that had blooms this year or you'll cut everything? If it's if it's a size reduction, what are you cutting? Yes, everything. I just I don't worry about which was did, didn't bloom. I just cut everything down to the level of my belt buckle a little bit lower. Okay. Good reminder. Yes, and those are perennials, too. We love our hydrangeas, yeah, and the panicle hydrangeas done, are looking done. pretty right now. I've got a nice booklet on how to identify and tell how to prune your hydrangeas at WalterReeves.com. 
Yeah, and there you'll see the panicle, the limelight as well. But that is that oh, is yeah. a great pruning guide. You're absolutely right. All right, WalterReeves.com, a great resource for when I'm off the air. If you can't reach Walter, I bet you you're going to find an answer there. I'm almost going to get myself out of a job by sending people to your website. (laughs) (laughs) But but it is like the encyclopedia of everything Georgia gardening. Well, hey, Walter, thank you so much. Now you go enjoy your last weekend of July. I appreciate you spending time with us this morning. As soon as the time of the air conditioning is what I'm going to do. Do air it. That's right. Stay inside today. All right. Hey, we'll be right back. Going to check traffic and weather. It's 95.5 WSB. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.